Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Concert Zero with Scott Ramsey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Concert Zero. I'm Scott Ramsey, your host, and today I have a very special guest, Kevin Deaton. Kevin grew up in England, and in the late 1970s, this whole part of the, the world became the epicenter of new music, and you were lucky enough to be at the right age to start seeing music in 1979. was Nine. my first concert, yeah. Kevin, what was your concert zero? So my concert zero actually was the only ones and the teardrop explodes at York University. I assume teardrop explodes was opening. Yes, they the, were. Because the only ones had their hit, Another Girl, Another Planet. Yeah. And it was, it was a time when, imagine we're 13 years old, 14 years old. It's a bit like trying to lose your virginity. We were, all of our friends were really excited about new music that was coming through. So it was a time we just had punk had kind of fizzled out. Punk had been this democratization of music. Prior to that, my brother was a bit older than me. I'd been listening to all his music, Alice Cooper, Roxy Music, you know, early Bowie. But that was his music and his generation. And it was all a bit sophisticated and, and, and a bit upper class, if you will. And then along came the Sex Pistols when we were like 10 or 11 years old and the Clash and the early jam. And these were working class lads who'd picked up guitars, could barely play guitars, and now were making music and making vibrant, aggressive, violent music that we as you know, young teenage boys thought, oh, it's just a dog's bollocks. This is fantastic. <laughs> and we wanted to be part of it. I was thinking about this on the way over that in the late 70s, English youth was very tribal. You had to be part of a tribe. And so... A tribal by city or by no, neighborhood or it was by what? It was by literally your interest. Okay. So in the north of England where I came from, you were either, I came from the city of York, you were a northern soul boy. So you went to the Wigan Casino and you danced all weekend to really rare, obscure, black 60s soul music. All right. And if you weren't a soul boy, then you were in a heavy metal and you were listening to Motorhead and you were going to see those concerts and drinking cider and riding motorcycles. Or you were in a post-punk, which is what I was kind of into because I was too young for punk at the time. Okay. And when I, was 11, I couldn't go to those concerts. And I was this whole whole world emerging post-punk of bands that have been inspired by this, this ability to just pick up a guitar and play something. Um, but let's let, make it a little bit more melodic. And that was the whole post-punk thing. A gang of Four were coming out of yeah. that. Uh, yeah, Joy Division, The Cure, The Jam. All this stuff was coming out. And we as 13-year-olds were like, we've got to get involved in this. You know, we want to get involved in this. And so it's that thing that I think a lot of people had is, how do you get your parents to let you go to your first concert? At 13. At 13 years old. That's so why I had to rope my brother in. And because me and my friend Stephen Bryars went to this concert and, and we were at school together and he goes, hey, this band's playing. My brother's going to take us. Can you get your parents to let you go? It was not easy because, you know, the parents, right? But my brother, bless him, says, I'll take him and I'll bring him, bring him home and I'll look after him. And he kind of implied that he would be there, but he wasn't. He disappeared off to the pub or something. <laughs> but so my brother dropped me off and me and Steve Bryars, we were 13, yeah, 13 years old. We go into this university with all the students who are only a few years older, but they're obviously bigger than so us. monsters compared, yeah. Yeah. And we get in, into the gig and you just we just feel the vibe. This is going to be fantastic. 
And I remember we were at the back of it because we didn't go to the front because they were bigger than us. And so we watched it from the back and it was just, yeah, it was like I think a lot of people probably have been in this chair. I've said, yeah, I want some more of that. How many bands do you think uh, you saw that first year? I wrote it down and it's actually my diary at home, but it's somewhere between 200 and 250 bands over the course of that first 12 months. Wow, that is remarkable. Yeah, we, we were very blessed in the north of England in that there's some good universities there. There was York University, there was Leeds University, there was Manchester's not too far away. And so you got this opportunity. They all had very good social secretaries there. And small bands are playing everywhere, bigger bands are playing, and you're just going in and seeing it. And then you're becoming part of this moving tribe, nomadic, if you will, right. of going to Manchester, to the Electric Ballroom to see the Buzzcocks, or, or going to Leeds University to see the Cure, or what have you, or the Gang of Four. And every now and again, somebody pops up from this, this gladiator pit of thousands of bands. Somebody pops up, and they do the American tour, and they become big and worldwide. And it, it's we could be talking about Duran Duran, or yeah. Gang of Four, or you name it. I mean, there's a... Several dozen bands did that. They came out of that stew. Yeah, I'm a, my friend Aiden one day, I was at school with him, and, and like, where were you last night? I went to see this Irish band. And it was, what was it? And you're going to guess on this one. It was like, it's a band called U2. Like, really? Tell me about them. And, and there was 25 people at a college gig in Leeds watching U2. And at the end of it, he said, ah, I sat on the, on the stage talking to the guitarist, a guy called The Edge, and he sent me his address. And then from that point on, for six months on, the Edge would send him postcards. Dear Aiden, we're currently in wherever it would be. <laughs> wow. And at the time, I was like, that's pretty, that's quite cool. And then, wow, you can talk about exploding. And then they're going to become the biggest rock band. Yeah. yeah. If you could wave a magic wand and see any artist who's ever ever lived, right? who would it be? I, I've thought about this because it, it's, it's one of those great questions I think people ask. And, you know, some people say the Beatles, whatever. But to me, I, I think the seismic one would be Hendrix. It would be Hendrix because it's a little bit like, in a way, if you look at airplanes and then you look at the stealth fighter when it comes out, you go, well, hang on, there's a, there's a gap here. There's a gap between what normal things are and what this is. Yeah. And I think when Hendrix came through, there was somehow a, a gap which he, uh, he had he'd not followed the dots. And he was so radically different from anything else that had come through, but was still consumable, mm -hmm. that to have experienced something like that. I think was would, would have been like, whoa, that would have been amazing. I really would love to have seen what Hendrix would have done if he hadn't passed away. Right. Because he was so different. He had so much. He was looking at things in a different way. It's a bit like Gaudi. You know, if you ever go to Barcelona and look at his architecture, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you got to think, what well, I need to get the drugs that this guy gets because they're <laughs> really, really good. Because he's seeing things completely different from what you're seeing it. And Hendrix was seeing things completely different and, and seeing that instrument and going, well, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. And amazing. So that would have been the one yeah. that I would have loved to have seen. There's not been too many musicians, I think, that have been able to truly take that baton mm -hmm. and carry it forward. You've got all these sort of technical guys of the hair metal bands in the 1980s who, who were technically spectacular, well, from speed point of view, mm -hmm. but they weren't doing that that kind of psychedelic floral expansion that he was doing from a sound point of view. I mean, he was sonically genius. Yeah. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today. This is fantastic. A little little peek into uh, late 70s, early 80s uh, England. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Please listen, like, share, and follow Concert Zero. That's all one word, Concert Zero, on Apple Podcasts and wherever fine podcasts are available. You can also check out our website, ConcertZero.com, for past episodes. 
And you can find Concert Zero on Facebook and Twitter, or Concert Zero Show on Instagram. Thank you to our sponsor, Project Barley in Lomita, California, and our amazing crew, Chris Youngie, Brett Abbott, and Jeff Lloyd. And me, I'm your host, Scott Ramsey. Thank you again for listening to Concert Zero. Concert Zero.